You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Enemy of My Enemy. I'm Hody. We got Brian. We got Lou. We got the people. And uh, we're going to have a little bit of a new format. We're doing 30-minute episodes. You're not going to get the piece of my mind. We're kind of breaking down people's pieces of their minds into individual episodes. So hopefully more content, a little bit faster paced. I should start right off this time because we got a lot to talk about because we're going to talk about, unfortunately, I love being back. Not the happiest of subjects here, though. Uh, we are going to talk about the Tyree Nichols uh, murder and video that was released and uh, kind of give you some libertarian perspectives on it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start. I, I know I've been kind of going at the end, but I'm just going to combine generalizing the story as well as giving my thoughts at the same time, because we got a lot to crunch here in a very short period of time. So um, I guess what I want to do for those who did not see the video. I could go over a long synopsis of it. I actually did so on Facebook and the thing has gone like mega viral because I shared it. I'm not famous, but famous people shared it and that went nuts. So I actually have a good breakdown. If you don't want to see the video, I totally understand. Check me out on Facebook. My name is Hody Johns and you're going to get, you're going to find it. It's, It's just kind of a written breakdown of what happened. To boil it down as quick as I can... He gets his car. There's four different videos. So anybody who says I've seen the video, you can be like, liar, because there's four different videos that the police released. Um, and it's different body cameras. And one of them is a, is a neighborhood poll. But initially when he stopped, um, he's in play. It's stopped by plainclothes cops. They as soon as they approach his car, they're calling him an MFR. They said, yo, ass going to get blown the F up. Um one of them as they and they get to the car they open the door and they say i will turn your ass brown and so like it is threatening right away there's not a like please step out of the car if you want to know how to escalate a situation this is like the this is exactly what you want to do right nichols is just saying all right and okay over and over he gets on the ground i saw yahoo did a breakdown and i believe he receives like it's dozens but it's 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 a whole bunch of conflicting orders, you know, and, and I think we've seen this in other police videos, videos before, but maybe not so overt is, is getting conflicting orders. Put your hands on your head, put your hands to your side, you know, lay down, belly down, lay look up, you know, that kind of thing. And the entire time he's getting these conflicting orders, um, they are, I mean, cursing at him, threatening him, it is hard to even hear the conflicting orders, even if you were to try to pick out an order over the amount of cursing. So, I mean, it's it's bad. He gets up and runs, um, at which point they they shoot a taser at him. It hits him in the leg, but and it does zap him, but it, it falls off. Um, and then one of the cops tries to mace him, but maces themselves. Um, they he runs. He's way he's in way better shape than they are. So he just he's gone like as soon as he starts running. So they get in their cars. They track him down again. They tackle him um, on a neighborhood street, um, slam him into the ground. 
one of the cops is like, give me your effing hands, give me your effing hands from the body camera footage we have. And he has both of Tyrese Nichols' hands behind his back, easily able to be cuffed. They keep yelling this even when a cop has each of his arms holding his arms together, like, give me those hands. And you're just like, I don't know what you mean by giving your hands, but you certainly seem to have them. Um, they surround him, and this is really where it gets bad. And thankfully, we have the neighborhood camera um, because one of the police maces himself. Uh, this is a second mace, maced himself incident, by the way. He actually also maces. He maces Nichols. He maces another cop, and he also maces himself. And he's one of the body cameras. He wanders off, so we don't get anything else from him um, until later. Uh, and then... We get the neighbor, the one, the other cop who tackles him. His his camera actually falls off and doesn't put it on till later. So the only reason we even have this video is because there is a neighborhood poll. Now let the conspiracy theories abound. I don't want to tell you one way or another, you know what happened. But anyway, uh, you can see it, and basically they take the two cops hold his his um, arms behind him. And one takes turns kicking him while he's down in the head, like as and it's pretty much like a punter or a kicker wouldn't football, like a place kicker wouldn't football. Takes turn kicking him in the head, and then they hold him up so that they can get punches on his gut and his head. Um, this incapacitates him. Uh, I'm not going to say unconscious because he goes in and out of that. There's actually a really uh, they ended up firing the two EMTs because of this as well because they I identify that he stops breathing and he never gets like recessatory action. He actually does regain breathing, but he does it on his own. Um, and the EMTs there don't attempt to help him. And this is for like 30 minutes. Um, I timed it out on the camera. I have the timestamps again on my post, but it's, it's like 20 minutes. They actually say he's not breathing and they don't do anything. I can tell you as an EMT, I've had to perform CPR on a person without a head because I could not get a doctor to determine that the person was dead over the phone. So I'm letting you know that this is not one of those, like they think he's a lost cause or something like that. As an EMT, you pretty much have to administer work right then. The cops don't do it. Don't help. They're flopping them all over the place, you know, propping them up against the car. Um, they start bragging about it after work shouting. Um, I got a couple of the quotes. One of the guys like, I'm working him though. Uh, you jump in and start rocking. I jumped in and start rocking. You took that shiz out, ma. I hit that man into so many pieces. Gosh, damn. I was hitting him with straight haymakers, dog. He looking like Stevie Wonder, man. And these are just a couple of quotes that I got as they're bragging about what they did to him. Very end of the video, one of the cops is like, hey, so why did you stop him? And none of the officers can give an answer. One of them even says, oh, he like had a gun, but chucked it, but he never did. Another of the officers said he had a hold of my gun. He did not. Um, they tell a bunch of lies. At the very end, the officer determines, so I got no charge then. And even as of right now, we actually still don't know um, why he was st initially stopped at all. Um, I think that pretty much says all there is to say as far as what we how we feel about this. Um the cops, even before the videos released, were fired and charged with second-degree murder, which, if you know policing in America, if you get charged before it actually happens, then, you know, before the video is released, then you know you did something really, really bad. Um, as usual, this has gotten America to look at policing. 
systemic racism, cultural problems, legal issues. Um, this isn't the first time we've talked about police brutality on the show, and I'm sure you're going to get a lot of similarities um, and overlaps where we discuss this kind of thing over and over again because the state of policing has not changed. Um, I'm going to turn this one over to you, Brian, and give, go ahead and give us some of your thoughts on this. Uh, I, I hate to say this. This is par for the course with regards to escalation and the way that we are training in some cases the police, not all of them, but I will say there are a vast majority of forces that use these tactics. They are meant to control the situation, which is understandable in some cases. You want to have control of a situation. However, I think if you're five to one on some guy, barring them being a Terminator, you have control of the situation. Um, but let's go over a couple of things here. Number one, uh, conflicting commands. That's a standard tactic. We have seen that in a number of of different shootings and number of different violence incidents with the police are involved, uh, holding their hands back, um, and still attacking them. We've seen that as well. Uh, saying that he's got my gun and things like that. One of the comments I read earlier was that some police departments were purposely training p uh, police officers to say that because two things will happen if there are witnesses nearby. Number one, they'll remember the incident, but number two, They'll flip when it's said. They won't say that I had him in control and then he started grabbing for my gun. They'll remember the, they'll put their brain to put together. He's reaching for my gun and then they got him in control or then they shot him or something. So this is something that's unfortunately tends to be in, again, some police departments. I'm not going to chastise all of them because there are a couple of police departments that are trying to work on de-escalation techniques. There are a number of, and I know a lot of people believe in ACAB and stuff like that. Um, but the thing is, there are some good officers that are out there who see the problems that happen and don't want to be these guys. I don't know of any police officer that looked at that video that, that looked at it and said, well, he had it coming or something along those lines. Police union immediately came out and said, this is a gross injustice. We don't want this uh, representative. And I don't think they're I think they're going to have to help them because of legal for, for the union requirements. But, you know, the D.A. charged them immediately. They disbanded the unit. Now, I think a lot of that, the disbanding the unit and stuff like that has come because of public pressure. But this gets back to why is this happening? Why does this keep happening? Um, and the only thing I can say that's that's good about it is that now that body cameras are becoming uh, a, a requirement in a lot of places, we're starting to see this a lot more and be able to hopefully address it. The issues uh, uh, underneath that you can go from systematic racism to just a shitty culture of of control and an us versus them mortality. Your only job every night is to go home to your house safely and et cetera like that. If you're if that's your job every single night is I have to get home. Got news for you. If that's your only job and you have a gun, you're probably going to do everything you can to make sure you can get home. So there's just a whole host of things where this thing failed. And it's unfortunate to see yet again. There's another video that's coming out uh, in Huntington Park, California. We aren't going to talk about that. That can be our next episode. But anyone on here could take a look at that episode where a gentleman who was a double amputee 
at the legs, was getting away from police, was walking away from police, uh, had a knife. Anyhow, uh, but I digress. And we can go right over to Lou on her impressions of this entire situation. (laughs) I have so many thoughts. It's hard to even consider where to start. I'm a mom and hearing these young men yell for their mom, cry out for their mom as they're being murdered in the street. Like we've seen this happen over and over and it never gets easier. And I have for years kind of forced myself to watch these videos. And I, I, I think if you can, you should um, as an awareness. And I haven't been able to sit through this entire, I can't, I can't. Um, it's so brutal. Um, and I was looking at some of the, uh, looking back through some of the personnel records and two of these officers apparently had had prior instances reports where they had failed to basically um, fill out a response to resistance report. And I don't know, response to resistance reports are kind fairly new. They've been around since about 2017. Um, and, you know, a lot of focus has been put on this, you know, the accountability because they're filling out, they're not filling them out. And if you really dig into the um, sort of the crux of what these response to resistance, um, like their action response continuum, what is required there. It's odd. It doesn't really add up. And there's some holes where it does. It feels like this was written by the police for the police to make it look good and sound good, but help them sweep some stuff under the rug. And it just, doesn't make sense to me, number one. Number two, how is it that within, and I I could be mistaken, so I apologize, but I believe it was in like the last few years, um, these gentlemen had refused to or failed to complete these forms. Um, And part of that process is when you complete these forms and you file this, there's supposed to be follow-up with counseling and training and de-escalation training and blah, blah, blah. And you're supposed to be able to prove that, you know, you've learned from this instance. And obviously when you fail to do one of these reports in the first place, none of those things are going to happen. Um, but then these were the gentlemen that you, I'm sorry, gentlemen is way too kind of a word. These monsters you chose to put into this special group, the scorpion team, wasn't it? And they're basically trained to work in in black communities um it's they hire or tend to hire now granted the memphis police department i believe is like 60 to 70 percent black anyway um and that's the community they're in um the community they serve and you would think that you know, they the way they promote this team is that they're connecting with the community. But on the back end of that, they're trained like SWAT and mercenaries. So how is that serving the community? That sounds like a wolf in sheep's clothing to me. That sounds like the systemic and institutionalized racism, you know, and of course we hear the conversation, well, they were black officers and it's not interpersonal racism. That is not what we're talking about here. It's two totally different things. Um, I, 
you know, looking at the entire thing, these guys were, I believe, set up to fail in a system that was set up to create these situations. They were going to fail miserably and somebody was bound to get hurt, killed. Um, and it is horrifying um, that this is the head that that came to. Um, I worked uh, several years ago and it's still a project in the making um, for the Daniel Shaver Act, which has never been brought to Congress. As far as I know, um, we've worked on writing legislation. We've connected with uh, former officers and current officers who do training um, to really start to build a standardized method of de-escalation and standardized medically proven ways to restrain someone without you know, restricting their airflow, restricting their blood flow, and those sort of things. Um, and th the legislation in that, like, this brings me back to Daniel Shaver so much when you talk about the conflicting um, commands and just the immediate in your face, not really telling you what the problem is, screaming at you and yelling and pointing at, hi, Christy, we missed you too. Um, screaming at you, pointing guns at you and, you, you know, that confusion. And I look at this and I'm like, anybody who's defending police in these moments, how, how do you look at that and see something different than when you look at what the Russians are doing in the Ukraine? And how they're literally kicking in doors and and killing families. It, it, it's no different, except that it's happening on this side of the well, ocean. Well, wait a minute. Yeah. The, the cops aren't part of NATO, so that means it's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, my bad. I we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break. We are gonna get back for discussion in just a few seconds. Hang on, everybody. Thanks so much for hanging on through the break, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, all right. So there's a lot of discussions to be had here. I, I am debating opening up the systemic racism discussion, although I think that that's something that probably deserves its own podcast. And so probably. I think maybe yeah. we should table that because I think it will kind of derail kind of this current situation. And I, I do believe it, right, draws it out. It really deserves kind of its own focus here let's let's go ahead and go with the angle of just as far as policing um in general um for me the systemic racism angle is kind of a fun debate but for me whether like it's all bad right we recognize it's it's bad it's terrible the only people i've seen defended are on like what the the daily wire or whatever like like michael moles <laughs> i don't even whatever, think the daily wire <laughs> michael moles already has yeah, like, yeah yeah so yeah. i mean dude of course he has right right dude sucks but I mean, it, it like legit, unless you're in kind of like Looneyville alt-right territory, there's really nothing to defend here. Um, as you can see, three libertarians of different walks of life and all three of us are against it and sickened by it and disheartened by it and, and everything. So let's, let's talk about policing for a second, Brian. I'll get, give this to you first because you kind of opened this up here. Like, and I think that you're probably one of the most people that, that you know, one of the people that talks about reform and yeah. things that can change. So let's talk about working within the system because Lou and I are kind of outside the system people. If we work within this system, what are some things that we could do to kind of to cut down on incidents 
incidences like this? Oh, easy. Number one, uh, body cams. Body cams, body cams, body cams, body cams. We don't know about this stuff if it's not there. And frankly, these things are great for not only people that, that are having to interface with police, but for the police themselves. There are a lot of police officers that want body cams and they want to have the ability on their squads and stuff like that because they're going to capture everything. It does two things. Number one, you have a mostly unimpeachable witness. If you pull up on a scene and somebody's beating the snot out of someone, you don't have to write your report. Okay, I saw the suspect. Here's the video showing it. But the second part, the, the important part, I think, here is data retention. And there's a problem with data retention that we're leaving it with the that there's differing standards. There are standards, but they're differing standards. Each state has its own requirement for standards. I, I think it's really simple is that all body cam footage is retained in multiple locations uh, for a seven year period. Now you're like, oh, Brian, what about the storage costs? Well, I, I sell that stuff for a living. We'll cut you a good deal, okay? Um, <laughs> Thank you. I Brian's out here to make a buck. You can tell he's our capitalist yeah. on the show. Here. But, but, the boss <laughs> is like, Brian, we're going to have a talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's 100% right. Three, two, one, backup. Anyhow, okay. um, so the other thing I want to call out here on this is the mindset of these uh, of these groups now scorpion or sting or anything like this no one is calling it like happy wallflower you know all these groups are all built with kind of a military motif and if you're doing p community policing you know if your community policing unit is you know stomp their heads in and make them bleed may not be attract the right people that you want okay you want people that are going to be a little bit more uh, you want the name of the group to reflect what you want to have happen. Yeah, yeah so, intimidation. Have, have either of you yeah. seen the skulls on cop cars? That always oh, me is. I'm Punisher. Even the creator of the Punisher has been yeah. like, please stop because yeah. the Punisher is anti-police. What are you yeah. thinking? I refuse. Right. When people have come into our tattoo shop asking for that, I've told them, hell no. I refuse. Yeah. I will not do the thin blue line on a Punisher skull. You can hit the pavement. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Brian, your point is well Sorry. taken. And I think, no, no, it's okay. I think this is a good segue to you, Lou, because I think especially when you talk about data retention and Lou, you talked about how these people have incidences prior to this. There's been signs that there's a problem, right? right. And, there, and so, and look, here's the, here's the way things work. I'm not demanding perfection of any human being on this planet, but when you see cracks, you kind of go, hey, hey, time out. Let's look through those cracks. Like, I, as a guy who's managed a restaurant before, if my steak guy on a relatively slow night falls behind, well, I know what's going to happen on a very busy night. We're doomed, right? Things are going to go under. So when you see a high octane situation like this, you know, I mean, what what did you think the guy was going to do? He's already shown you the kind of person he is under pressure before. The thing is, you documented it, but we've kind of failed to act on it. So, I mean, I guess, Lou, what are, what are some prescriptions that you might write for this one? Um, I, I'm right there with this, you know, the idea of the, the data retention and data sharing. Um, we saw, I mean, it's been well over a decade ago now, where the FBI and the CIA and the NSA finally started communicating and they built an infrastructure to be able to do that and share data. Now, it's not perfect. It's not, it has. And they've done awful things. Sorry. And they have. They absolutely have. I believe, no. especially when you're talking about 
on like the personnel end of local law enforcement, uh, how many times have we seen instances where somebody has, you know, had an incident, they got fired, but they never had any charges and they, you know, move on and they go get hired somewhere else. And it's like, I bet if there was more data sharing about these personnel records and, and, you know, these officers history, maybe the hiring would be a little more stringent, like the process to be approved or, you know, to say, okay, you've had X, Y, Z incident. You are required to do these steps, counseling, anger management, um, de-escalate, you know, whatever those may be. And again, I this is a hard one for me to swallow as a hardcore anarchist and <laughs> but I do believe that standardizing what de-escalation truly looks like is in a physical you know hand-to-hand combat sort of way and really standardizing what appropriate holds are really standardizing what an appropriate response to these different things are. Um, Whereas, so the response to resistance, back to that, one of their, you know, they talk about their action response continuum and they sort of list an if then. Um, And, you know, one of the ones that I saw, let's see, you know, it talks about pushing or wrestling with an officer. You can use your electrical devices, your aerosol devices, batons, things like that. I don't think that's unreasonable. but there's, I'm not seeing standardization about like, at what point do you stop? What areas of the body do you not hit? What, you know, those sort of things, taking into account your surroundings. Are you on grass? Are you on concrete? Are you on a balcony? Like Those sort of things. I think there needs to be more in-depth training on that. Um, and a more standardized, which again, I really, I, this is sort of relit that fire in me to really work on pushing Shaver's bill to the front of the line and getting it in front of Congress, because this is, this cannot keep happening. Right. We got about a minute and a few seconds for each of us to kind of wrap up here. Um, I just want to say, I think there's two fronts you need to look at here before I turn and I'll turn it back to you guys for the rest of this. But uh, I think you need to learn. I, I think we need to focus on cops as individuals. A badge does not make you a special person. It does not grant. And I'm talking philosophically, of course, in America, it does grant special privileges, but as, as from a libertarian perspective, you are still a human being and they are still functionally human beings. You are not, you don't turn into a superhero when you have a badge that much is very much obvious. It should not confer any special rights. There should be no qualified immunity when this happens. There should be absolutely no hiding behind your badge or something special or whatever. Look, I get it. We we had you do a, a tough job. I think Chris, I think it's Chris Rock who said, yeah, but there's some jobs that just can't have bad apples, like piloting a plane, right? This yeah. is one of those jobs you yeah. just go... You know, we don't we don't say, you know, hey, only one percent, two percent of our pilots crash into the ground every year, you know. And so there's some jobs you just need to say, like, this is somebody who's calm, cool, under pressure. Brian has said this before, and this also needs to be reiterated. And this is where I say those. So that's when you focus on the individuals. Now it's focused on the whole system. You just need less laws. You cannot enforce a rule book that is literally taller than a human being when stacked up and expect somebody to enforce that. 
you know, make it very simple. And the more simple it is, I'm even okay. If I'm working within the system, like Lou said, even though I too am a hardcore anarchist, fine. Get some de-escalation training. Learn your lessons, you know, let, let's fix this so that these deaths stop happening. I'll take any incremental progression towards people living freer, healthier, happier, freer from abuse lives, you know, ultimately cops are supposed to protect and serve. The system does not protect and serve. Brian, go ahead and give us a, give us about a minute to wrap up from you. Uh, realistically, I think we all kind of nailed it on, on this. There's just no, there's no defense for what happened. Now the question is pulling it apart and seeing what we can do to change it. Uh, some people want us to destroy the system. I think we haven't really destroyed a system in this country probably in a very long time. So it, it's one of those things that we're just going to fix from within. But I think the solutions that we have here really do help. Um, it's It's sad and disturbing that this keeps happening, but eventually we're going to get tired of the of the kids being stacked up and i'm going to call him a kid he was 29 but i mean i'm old now so i call him a kid um so but uh we're gonna get tired of the kids bodies being stacked up and maybe somebody will do it and i and i think some of the police departments really want to clean this up but they realize that in some cases they can't get rid of some of the people and the problem is this also the job it's not attracting the best and brightest it's it's attracting that that yeah there are people that are very intelligent in the department and they do very well but there are some that yeah sure so they target when they recruit go ahead lou go ahead and finish take us home yeah absolutely i want to say you nailed it on qualified immunity that one for me needs to go um talking about you know having this power compared to being called a public servant there's that's a bit of an oxymoron there so yes we have got to start taking law enforcement off this pedestal um they are all humans just like the rest of us um and then probably not like the rest of us i think a lot of people who go into law enforcement um not all by any stretch of the imagination but i've worked in law enforcement and i can tell you a lot of them came into it because they're a tough guy and and there's something in their tough guy need to be in charge and have power um and that's 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 something culturally that needs to shift in law enforcement is they got to lose that ego and i also you know i just want to say to any mom out there who has had to bury their child um you know, he was 29. My oldest is about to be 21. They're babies. They're babies. And, and, and to just have such a young life snuffed out that way, there's absolutely no excuse. Um, so to the moms out there who have experienced this kind of a loss, I, my heart breaks for you. I, I saw this from, uh, Brianna Taylor's mother that um, Ty, uh, Tyree Nichols and Brianna Taylor had the same birthday, 1993, 1993 for perspective. I'm what just... was the birth date? I'm going to go check a couple of kids here. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think it, uh, like, was it June, June 8th? I, I'm, I'm trying to remember that it, it could not be, but yeah. That's... I hope it's not. Yeah. I got one that's close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just a it's it's sad all around. Anyhow, I'm sorry we didn't have a more positive episode, but it is a very important episode. And I tell you what, we'll hit you with something really positive like systemic racism or something in a couple of days. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, we'll see you all soon. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And we will talk to you again. Toodaloo.